2: Welcome to the first quarter 2020 conference call for Morno chapelle Inc. Please note that this conference call will contain forward-looking statements which reflect management's current beliefs and expectations regarding the corporation's future growth and results of operations. Actual results can differ materially from those anticipated. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Stephen Liptrap, President and Chief Executive Officer of morneau Chappelle Inc. Please go ahead, Mr. Liptrap.
0: Thank you, Helena. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. On the call with me today is Greer Coulter, our Chief Financial Officer. Yesterday, after markets closed, we released Morneau financial results for the first quarter of 2020. Like always, you can access the news release, financial statements, and our MD&A on our website at morneaucheffel.com. Later this morning, as you know we're holding our annual shareholder meeting starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time. The shareholder meeting is being held virtually because of measures designed to limit the spread of COVID-19. At that time, we'll be reporting on how the company performed in 2019 and then turn to our strategy going forward as a power brand in employee wellbeing. So for those of you not dialing into the annual meeting, in the next few minutes, I will briefly talk to our strategy after reviewing our first quarter highlights. Greer will then cover off our financials for the quarter, and then, as usual, we will open the call for questions. As we noted in our earnings release, we are pleased by our start to the year, especially given the economic shutdown that started in March related to COVID-19. As Greer will cover, our results were in line with our expectations coming into the year we were especially pleased by how our people came together early in the crisis to rapidly activate our business continuity pandemic plan. By quarter end, almost 100% of our employees were working remotely with all of our business metrics and systems operating at pre-pandemic levels. The economic shutdown affected some aspects of our business where services provided in-person stopped immediately. For example, in-person training, children's support solutions, ad hoc pension consulting, and some on-site pension administration work. At the same time, other areas expanded rapidly, such as adding lives to our employee and family assistance programs, or EFAP, for some clients to cover new employees and our digital ICBT solutions. With our vast number of clients and end users, our data shows another view of the impact of COVID-19. For example, we have seen a tenfold increase in the use of internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy, our ability CBT solutions, with a particular focus on anxiety. Disability cases have doubled. Sadly, we have seen a 30% increase in suicide risk, as well as a dramatic increase in calls relating to domestic abuse. There has been a 21% increase in financial stress and more than a quarter, 28% of all calls are related to COVID-19. To support changing needs, we quickly launched new products to help our employees and society. These include a new version of our Abilities CBT solution that we have targeted to mental health issues related to COVID-19. As well, we bumped up our retirement solutions approach by targeting clients who are concerned about pension planning scenarios, which is more pressing with the market volatility we will be living for a while yet. I thought I'd take a moment to share a few client-specific examples of our rapid response to, new, to the new needs in the market related to COVID-19. In March, the province of Manitoba selected us to provide our Ability CBT program to all residents of Manitoba over the age of 16 who are struggling with anxiety caused by COVID-19 pandemic. Just this week, the province of Ontario announced it is also providing our ICBT service to Ontarians over the age of 16. A Fortune 100 construction equipment manufacturer doubled the number of employees covered under their employee assistance program on the LifeWorks platform, making our EFAP the first global benefit available to all their employees. One of our large energy sector EFAP clients based in Alberta, who traditionally offered a standalone EFAP to employees in the United States and Canada, recently upgraded to the LifeWorks platform and decided to also extend this benefit to their employees throughout the Caribbean, significantly increasing the number of lives covered to over 22 countries in the region. By way of note, the number of employees on our cloud-based LifeWorks platform increased from 2.2 million to 2.8 million. We received really good feedback on the use of the solution to deal with social isolation in a work-from-home world. Finally, one of our larger clients in Ontario, responsible for administering the pension plan of the province's health care workers, Told us that our ability to get our business continuity plan operational so quickly played a key role in getting theirs up and running, with close to 100% of their staff working from home on our systems. Another notable development was our launch of our monthly mental health index in April. The index tracks a wide range of factors about our state of mental health and well being in Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom and Australia. We anticipate the index will become a global benchmark for mental health as the authoritative voice on a macro social economic issues, much like the consumer price index or the ADP jobs report. As a company that takes its community responsibility seriously, we are pleased to launch WellCan, a unique initiative of leading Canadian businesses and organizations to support Canadians through this unprecedented crisis. The WellCan website and mobile app offers every Canadian access to a broad range of free resources to support their mental health and wellbeing. More than 50 leading partners, community and corporate, have come together to support this initiative by ensuring the message of support makes its way to all Canadians. We are hopeful WellCan will make a difference in the lives of Canadians who otherwise might have fallen through the cracks. While there are unknowns about the economy, we have confidence in our resilience as a business today and tomorrow. At this point in the year, despite COVID-19, our businesses are performing solidly and our sales funnel continues to be strong. Arguably, our technology-enabled HR solutions have never been more relevant in today's workplace. Organizations everywhere today are struggling to support the well-being of their people and their mental health. Moving forward, we are focused on three growth strategies to be the clear leader in our businesses, to own the well-being space, to accelerate growth through U.S. and global expansion, and to drive world-class delivery through people and technology. On that note, Pierre Coulter will review the financials. Thanks, Stephen, and good morning,
3: everyone. For the reasons Stephen mentioned, it was a solid quarter financially and in line with management's expectations. We delivered strong revenue growth of $38.4 million to $243 million, an 18.7% increase over last year. The growth is primarily due to revenue from the Mercer acquisition, net of the dev- divestiture of our benefits consulting business, With strong organic growth in the U.S. Overall organic growth for the quarter was about 2% and slightly under our expectations. Adjusted EBITDA increased by 5.8% to 47.3 million versus 44.7 million last year. That was also primarily due to the Mercer acquisition. Our adjusted EBITDA margin was 19.5% versus 21.8% last year. This margin percentage is in line with what we have experienced since the Mercer acquisition and in line with our expectations, which reflects the sale of the health benefit consulting business, which was higher margin. Adjusted EBITDA per share of $0.68 is consistent with the same period in the prior year. We generated higher EBITDA, but had a higher share count due to the conversion of the convertible to ventures. Profit for the period was $38.9 compared to 8.7 million last year. The increase is mainly due to the gain on the disposition of our benefits consulting business to Hub International for 70 million, and earnings per share for Q1 was 56 cents compared to 13 cents per share in Q1 2019 as a result. Normalized free cash flow for the period was 27.4 million compared to 24 million in Q1 2019 after adjusting for CapEx related to the Mercer integration. Subsequent to quarter end, the company entered into an amended credit facility agreement. We obtained an incremental 100 million of committed capacity for one year and approved our debt to debit financial covenant to remain at four to one until maturity of the credit agreement. We proactively drew down our credit facility at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis to give us time to assess various scenarios and increase the size of our facility and improve covenants. Accordingly, it was fully drawn at quarter end, and we have since repaid the excess amounts down. Overall, it was a strong quarter in view of the economic shutdown that occurred beginning in early March, and we are very pleased with the quarter.
0: Thank you, and I'll hand it back to Stephen. Uh, thanks, Lockyer. I'd like to thank everyone on the call for your time so far today. We'd be pleased to now answer your questions. Alana, please go ahead and open the line.
2: Certainly. Thank you. Please press star 1 at this time. If you have a question, there will be a brief pause while the participants register. Thank you for your patience. The first question is from Nick Preeb with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
4: Okay, thanks. Uh, Good morning. Um, I just want to start with a question on uh, the organic growth. In the quarter, I think Greer in your comments, you alluded to it being approximately 2%. Sounds like it was a little bit stronger in the U.S. than Canada. Uh, Was there any business line or geography that really stood out to you as significantly above or below average in terms of year over year organic growth? Yeah, it's
0: Stephen here. Um, I'll start, and then Greer might want to weigh in. Um, I think the easiest way to think about this is we had very strong organic growth in the U.S., Uh, we were obviously much lower than that in Canada, and that really was related to. A lot of the services that stopped immediately would have all been in Canada. So when you think about uh, consultants and retirement solutions going on site and providing some of those services, you think about our children's support solutions, uh, you think about our in-person training, all of those services take place in Canada, uh, whereas the growth areas that we've been focused in in the U.S. is more per employee per month than those type of
4: growth areas. Okay, okay, very good. And then, um I was wondering if we could ask for a little bit of color. Um, there was some language in, uh, in your disclosure around new ERP system implementation. Um I was just wondering if I could ask, is there a, uh, is there a planned budget for that project? And, uh, how long would we expect to see those uh, expenses be a little bit elevated here? Yeah, hi Nick, it's Greer. So, uh, this is
3: a, a workday implementation and, uh, the, the combination of uh, our fees to work day and consultants that uh, will help us implement it in total. It'll be about 20 million. Um, this will take us, uh, we were originally kind of thinking 18 months. We're still pushing uh, forward with that plan, but you know, I, need, I think we need to be realistic. Uh, you know, it may be kind of 18 to 24 months and we'll try to keep it to 18. So to- total 20 million. Think of it spread over, uh, you know, 2020 and 2021. And 50% of that spend uh, we think will be CapEx and 50% of it will be OpEx. So I think when you look at the amounts going through the P&L and adjust it out, it will be anywhere between a million and a million and a half per quarter.
4: Okay, got it. Got it. That's helpful. And then uh one final one before me before I pass the line. Um, there were some further integration costs and a little bit of elevated CapEx associated with uh the Mercer integration that was recognized in the quarter. Um, when would you expect those expenses to start to taper off? like is there still some investment that you think would be required for the balance of the year? Yeah, so
3: if I look at the the two the on the life work side, we would expect uh these these will be coming to an end really the The last couple of things are just coordinating some uh some day to day operating systems that was always part of the plan, and we should see that kind of come to an end at the end of q two. Uh, Mercer will continue throughout the year, but I'd say it's heavier on the front end. And it's really just uh you know taking that business and um you're removing it from the larger organization and getting it up and running but uh you know again it it'll continue through the year, but it'll be heavier in the front end. okay, got it all right, thanks very much.
2: Thank you. The next question is from stephanie price with c i b c Please go ahead Good morning. Hey,
0: stephanie.
2: And just following on the last question around CapEx, just wondering how you're thinking more broadly about CapEx investments in the current environment. Is there any plans to reduce any CapEx and, and maybe related how the enhanced well-being platform rollout is, is progressing and whether it's still on track just given the COVID impact in the quarter potentially?
3: Yeah. Hi, Stephanie. It's great. Maybe I'll start with the first part of that and then pass it over to Stephen. So our view has been, um, you know, we're, we're fully operational um you know we're uh we're continuing to pay our suppliers on time we 're continuing to pay our our people in full we 've made no cuts on that front and um you know we're continuing to invest in capex uh, as planned uh for the future so we've made uh, no change to our capex plan and we continue to uh to go full on those uh those investments for the future maybe i 'll pass over to Steven for the second part of that
0: yeah, when we think about the well being platform stephanie we're quite pleased that in the quarter on transitioning people over to the core platform, you know, we moved from the end of last quarter where we had about 2.2 million sitting on the core platform up to 2.8 million uh, end participants. We are tending to see about 10% of that number uh, sitting on the total well-being platform. Uh, We've pivoted a little bit in the quarter where we are, rather than selling the total well-being platform, we're allowing organizations to pick up different modules and we'll charge differently for those modules. For example, a lot of organizations are very interested in the recognition uh, module related to people being at home and uh, feeling social isolation and things like that. So uh, it continues to move forward, and um, I can tell you for our own employees, it has been an absolute uh, wonderful tool to be able to communicate during the crisis and get people engaged and feeling part of a community.
2: Great. Thank you. And then thanks for the color as well on the client uh, conversations and on the different business lines um, that you saw in the quarter. Just wondering if you've seen any change in, in client conversations in April and how how clients are kind of thinking about the environment here and whether some business lines are saying what the puts and takes between the business lines have been.
0: Um, yeah, I think a couple of things are interesting as I think about it. So I would describe, you know, March hitting and a number of things, as I mentioned, stopping immediately. Again, you think about the in-person training, think about the children's support, you think about our actuaries who were going on site about to do meet with companies and create uh, plans around how to look at pension plans, and you think about some of the pension administration work, and literally overnight, all those things stopped. I think our folks got really creative and said there are a lot of societal issues starting to hit. We need to figure out how we deal with employees facing stress and anxiety relating to the pandemic, uh, which is why we launched the ICBT solution for anxiety. Um, provinces and different governments are figuring out how to help end consumers and people in society, which is why uh, Manitoba was so early around our solution, and Ontario has since followed, and there's a lot of other conversations going on. And then on the other side... An- you know not all, but a number of our pension administration clients uh, got up and running in April and said, "Hey, this working remotely thing uh, works, and we should be able to continue to do the development our in our retirement solutions business, uh, we had a number of clients say, "Okay, we know we stopped um talking to folks on immediately consulting in March." Uh, However, we are seeing a lot of market volatility. That's got a lot of impacts to our pension plan. Uh, Let's set up an arrangement on a remote basis. So uh, I would say March, a whole bunch of things stopped. We got creative, created some new stuff. Uh, April, we're seeing um, people getting back to normal in terms of how they're working.
2: Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question is from Jane Gloyne with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
5: Yeah, thank you, and uh, good morning. Morning, Um I wanted to just follow up on that last uh, conversation around the organic growth. Is there, given that this was just one month in March of shutdowns, and it sounds like some of it's coming back online, um, is there any risk that there's uh, there's enough of a headwind here that would drag organic growth uh, either flat or negative, uh, or are there enough other offsets coming in the in the pipe from that shifting and pivoting of, uh, of client demands.
0: Yeah, it's a really good question, Jim, and one that uh, we're very close to. And as you can imagine, you know, we spend time on our business metrics every single week, um, and we look at those things. Um, you know, I will start by saying, over the long term, uh, we don't see a change to. You know, mid-single digit growth in Canada and slightly higher than that in the U.S. and global. Um, we our U.S. organic growth was very strong uh, in the first quarter and in line with what we've seen before, which is really good. Um, as I mentioned, the things that slowed down or stopped uh, in March for us, I think, will come back to some extent. Um, there probably will be less in-person training. But we're we've ramped up and we're starting to deliver more virtual training, uh, admin solutions. You know we will do a number of projects uh, remotely. Uh, will there be one or two that maybe slow down? Highly possible. On the other side, though, we're very excited about rolling out ICBT to Manitoba, rolling out ICBT to um, Ontario, and a number of other conversations. So at this point in time and where we stand. I put all of those together and say it's probably uh, consistent with what we were expecting as we moved into the year. Okay,
5: thanks. Um, In in terms of the growth strategies to own well-being, to grow in the U.S., uh, I mean, these have been in place for uh for a couple of years now it seems like um I'm wondering if uh anything related to the to the covid crisis here has uh has changed how you're thinking about that medium term long term growth strategy either to pull back on the strategy or to amplify another one
0: yeah um you know if anything it, to me it just really reinforces our strategy when you think about our strategy around owning total well-being and you get into either a financial crisis or a pandemic, and you just look at what happens to people's well-being and how that impacts their productivity. You think about mental health. You think about financial health. When we rolled out the mental health index, uh people saw a 21% decrease in their financial health related to a lot of worry, obviously, about jobs and things like that. So I think our strategy around focusing on total well-being uh, makes tremendous sense. Second part of our strategy due to our significant market share in Canada is really broadening that footprint, um, and I think that has panned out very well for us as well. As you can see, we had very strong growth in the U.S. in the quarter and very strong organic growth, uh, particularly in the U.S., and those numbers globally are very similar as well. So I think there's just an opportunity to continue uh, to drive those strategies around the world. And the third part of our strategy is leveraging our people and technology, and, um you know, that has worked out well internally where we were within a week being able to move 95% uh, people to home within a week, and today we're close to 100%. So that's the internal part. And then for clients, just the fact that we're able to deliver our administration platform and to hear back from clients that they would not be able to be up and running without that platform or that we're able to develop and roll out well-being solutions so that people are able to talk to their employees and engage them uh, no matter where they are. Um, You can take a look on Glassdoor, but one of our employees posted um, a Glassdoor posting about the fact that we were able to run a step challenge on the well-being platform and the fact that they were able to feel part of a community even though they're isolating at home. So if anything, I think it just reinforces our strategy and gives us an opportunity to really continue to push that. Great. Thank you for that color. <clears throat> um,
5: as I think about, uh, other, uh, other, well, financial institutions specifically providing relief measures to their, uh, to their customers, whether it's you know, deferred mortgage payments or uh, rebates on, uh, on certain policies and services, uh, is um, is Morneau offering any uh, any similar type of relief to their customers? And what are you hearing from your customers in terms of their struggles and how they're uh, managing through this COVID crisis and uh, any potential impacts of that going through in uh, in the second quarter or, or beyond?
0: Yeah, let me start, James Stephen here, and then I'll pass it over to Greer. Um, in terms of you know doing something for society, because we think that's really important to us, and doing something for our clients, it really is why we chose this point in time to launch the mental health index, and the fact that we decided to do that in Canada, the U.S., UK, and Australia, and it was about giving data to organizations, society, and government, so that we're able to make, so that we can understand what's happening in society, and we can make good policy decisions uh, going forward. The second part of that was launching WellCan. And when you think about a free mental health hub for every single person in Canada to go to so that no one slips through the cracks and they get the need and the support they need. Um, You know, our team spent a number of hours over basically a weekend and a bit Uh, putting all our development resources and making that happen because we just thought that was really important. And you'll see some other things roll out in other geographies. So that really is how we've decided to come back and give back to society in the middle of us running the business. And I know Guru will talk a little bit to your question specifically on clients.
3: Yeah, so, so Jane, what I would say is, um, you know, a couple things. Firstly, the, looking at the client base itself, the vast majority are you know, either, you know, what I would call investment grade or government type clients, right? So the, you know, the, the sensitivity to, you know, well, relaxing terms, you know, I, is a little bit different. They've, uh, you know, got different ways to, to manage and, you know, not have Morno Chappelle be, you know, their bank. I'd say the second thing we've made it very clear. In our organization, we're up and running. We're serving our clients. Um, not all businesses are fortunate enough to be, uh, in that place, but we're able to help out in a time of, uh, uh, need. And, you know, with that, you know, again, we're, we're paying our people, we're paying our suppliers and we're continuing to invest in, uh, CapEx. And, um, you know, the other side of that is that we, we've, we have a clear directive here that we expect our, our customers to pay. Um, you know, we're obviously, watching it very closely, and just because you tell your customers they need to pay, I mean, we need to watch the credit side of this, and we've seen uh, no degradation uh in that regard, and uh, we'll continue to watch it very closely, but uh it's a great question. I can tell you it's something that we discuss here quite a lot, but, uh you know, I think we're just fortunate to be in a position here where we are up and running and we're very relevant in, in today's world, and as a result, uh you know, I think our customers are more willing to pay for the products. Okay, great. And um, I'll, I'll turn it over for now, Enrique.
2: Thank you. Sorry. Once again, please press star one at this time if you have a question. The next question is from Graham writing. Please go ahead.
1: Hi, good morning. Oh, good morning,
3: morning and,
1: uh just, can you speak to historically? You've had some seasonality in your uh, EBITDA margins, at the beginning of the year being stronger than the uh, the second half. Is that uh, not the case anymore now with Mercer in the mix? Or can you give some color on what you expect in terms of uh, you know the evolution of your margins this year? And are you still committed to your previous guidance of uh, just below twenty and a half percent for 2020?
3: Yeah. Hi, Graham. It's Greer. I'll start. Um, you know, the, so we, we were kind of originally, if you go back, uh, a couple quarters, we were kind of thinking that the margins would be pretty similar, uh, from year to year. Um, you know, and so we were thinking that would be originally we were saying kind of twenty and a half percent. And then we announced the hub divestiture, uh, the divestiture to hub. And so that was a pretty high margin business and, uh, what we were, I guess, trying to get across on the last call is that this would probably be better part of a, a half a point. So if you think of what the, the full year would look like for 2020, think of that as a as a 20 number, you know, give or take. It's very close to that. And then what we were saying is there would probably be some increase through the year to get to that. Because if you think about after Mercer, we were kind of running pretty consistently around 19.5%. Last quarter was 194 This quarter we were 19.5%. Actually, right where we thought we would be. And also, considering where we, um, we we're facing a little bit of headwind uh, in the last month of this quarter with the divestiture of uh, the health benefit consulting business. And so, ultimately, what you'll see, I think, is something quite different than in prior years. You know, certainly, if you look at last year, the margins were really high in the first two quarters. That was because it was before we had Mercer. <clears throat> you know, so this year looked quite different. This year, you know, expect the first part of the year being very similar to the last two quarters of last year. And then we'll, uh, you know, gradually increase it as we, uh, execute on some of our initiatives. And overall, for the total year, it'll be around 20. I don't know if Stephen has any,
0: anything to add to that. No, I think that's exactly right. I think, uh, you know, I think we were expecting the beginning of this year to be similar to last year. And you got to remember that's actually a slight improvement because of the, uh, pickup on, uh, the hub, the sure to hub. And then we've got a number of, uh, projects we're moving through the year. Uh, that could potentially be some offshoring or it could be some technology, and that will drive improvements as we move through the year. So I think Greer's is exactly right.
1: Okay, got it. Now 20 is lower than the 20 and a half. Is that all related to Mercer, or are there some other expenses that are bringing that down to 20%? Yeah,
3: the, the way I look at it, Graham, is the 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 difference between 20 and a half and 20 is really the uh, this divestiture to hub. Yeah, that's, sorry, that's right, Matt. Sorry, the sure. you. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's what that is.
1: Okay. Uh, and then on the debt side, uh, I missed your comments. You know, you obviously chose to increase uh, the facility this quarter, and then the money was just sitting in cash, and then you've repaid it. Can you tell us why you were doing that?
3: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, when we looked at what was going on uh, in mid in early to mid-March with COVID and just trying to get our – our heads around it, I think we really kind of paused and, and just thought, uh, you know, let's, let's draw, um, and, and do some work here. I think it allowed us to do three, three things, uh, perform a bunch of scenario analysis, um, just looking at various things in terms of credit and what would happen in the, in the different businesses because they all kind of have different levers and play around with that and have a look at what all the impacts were, uh, which takes time, as you know, it also gave us some time to watch the bank. Uh, markets and overall capital markets absorb this information, which as you know, was, uh, it was moving all over the place. And I think for us, we just thought, let's, let's draw this amount. Let's see what happens. I mean, there are some crazy scenarios I think that were flowing around people's heads at the time. And so that was the second reason. And then, you know, when we went through that, we figured, uh, it was just, you know, wise at the time to be in a, you know, we were in a good position to, and we've got a very, strong and supportive bank group to uh, ask uh, for another $100 million in capacity. Not that we needed it, but, um, you know, it was a good time to do that. And then our deathshabit.com, I'm not sure how familiar you are, but it, it's been running at four to one, but on the anniversary date of a material acquisition, it screws in by half a turn on us. It did. So we corrected that and just said, uh, so it's now four to one. There is no... Uh, a modification related to acquisitions is just four to one. And so it'll stay at that level. So, you know, so that's why we did it. We, you know, drew it. We looked at those three things. I think, you know, you look at where we are now, we've got those changes in the facility in place. We've performed all the scenario analysis and we've got a much better idea uh, what we think all the puts and takes are. And uh I, I think it's fair to say that there's more normalcy in the bank and overall capital markets. And accordingly, we have now, I uh, repaid those amounts, as you know, it's a revolving credit facility, so we can always redraw on its committed capital, but, uh, uh, that, that's the story, Grant.
1: Okay. Okay, that's understandable. It was a, a fluid moment in time for sure. And how about just on the, uh, the free cash flow side? Um it sounds like you're committed to capex, uh, spend for, uh, for the year. The payout ratio is quite elevated, with um, relative to your free cash flow. Is that, are you comfortable there and are you expecting it to sort of remain at this elevated level?
3: So, uh, yeah, I would say this. We, so we are committed to capital. We're going to continue to uh, invest in the company's futures, a bunch of initiatives that we have that, uh, you know, they don't materialize. So we need to make these investments to make sure that, you know, we're in a good place for 2021 and 2022 and so on. Uh, we'll continue to do that. Um, I will say this, CapEx and results were right in line with what we thought they would be for the first quarter. So, uh, we're very pleased about that. I mean, there were some puts and takes. Your organic growth, as we mentioned, was a little bit lower than where uh, we thought. But overall, our rate in line, pay ratio is exactly where we thought we would be. Um, the CapEx is a little heavy on the front end, though, as I said, right? So uh, on the Mercer side, uh we'll see that kind of tail off. Some of these kind of one-time um, expenses and CapEx, uh, which has some impact on the on the payout ratio as well. So it it will improve a little bit, but I'll say uh, this is right in line with where we thought we would be.
1: Okay, so do you remind me what your CapEx outlook is for the year?
3: Uh, Total, it's uh, 65 for the year.
5: Okay, thank
2: you. Thank you. And the next question is from Jane Gloyne with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
5: Yeah, thanks. I, uh, I I actually just wanted to come back on the uh, the U.S. growth uh, as you mentioned, really solid uh, this quarter. Can you give us a little bit more in terms of uh, how uh, how you're seeing that growth here early in April? Has there been any uh, adjustments from the uh, in terms of the, the pipeline and the funnel, uh, and uh, maybe uh, a little bit more color around which uh, which business lines were driving growth in Q1 and where you're seeing that uh, in Q2? Progress.
0: Yeah, and Stephen, um, I think uh, all three business lines that are in the us saw very nice uh, growth in the us. So I'll give you a little bit of color behind that. Our health and productivity business um, continue to see growth. you I would have commented about the increase in disability cases. Um, and you think about people being off and needing to have tools to manage uh, where, which of their employees are working and which are off. So uh, we saw good growth in our disability management business in the U.S., which we have under health and productivity. Um, in the LifeWorks business, we saw a number of large U.S. clients. What I would describe there is maybe a little bit less around adding new clients and a little bit more around adding lives to current clients in March uh and then April a little pick up on some new clients. But uh Lifeworks had a very solid uh quarter in the US um and we see that continuing into April. Uh and our admin business um you know Greer talked a little bit about we we're a bit disappointed on the organic side in total, not the US um but we were very pleased with the uh Mercer acquisition so that actually delivered um, in excess of what we were expecting. So I know we don't count that as organic, uh, but the team's done a really nice job on, uh, driving some additional business to help our clients. So we're really happy about all three of those businesses within the U.S. Uh, and again, you know, it's, uh, I know we're just through April, um, but anecdotally at least, uh, we continue to have good conversations with clients. Our pipeline continues to be strong. Um, but I do expect if this thing, dragged on for a long period of time, there'd probably be less RFPs and a little bit less on the sales standpoint, uh, but we've not seen that yet.
5: That's great, thank you very much.
0: Thank you.
2: There are no further questions registered at this time, so I would like to turn the meeting back over to Mr. Lip-Trak.
0: Uh Thank you very much, Alana. I'd like to end by expressing my thanks to everybody on the call. We continue to appreciate your interest in our company And we look forward to other opportunities in the future, including these calls and our annual shareholder meeting, to keep you up to date on what we're doing to drive our growth and success as a business. Thank you.
2: Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor
2: relations section on their website. See you next time.
5: Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office.